Welcome to Language and Culture with Dr. J. I am Dr. J. This is a podcast about language, culture, and identity, and how these affect all areas of work and life. My guests range from politicians to artists, scientists, educators, students. I conduct interviews in English, French, German, Hungarian, and Spanish. You are now listening to an episode in English. The podcast also includes two new segments. On the one hand, Dr. J's Soapbox, in which I briefly share with you thoughts that are just itching to be out there. And on the other hand, a segment called Kids Ask, in which children from around the world have the chance to ask my guests a question. The podcast is brought to you by Kulturium.com in affiliation with Quadil Books and Events. For more information about the podcast and about us, as well as for teaching resources and study guides to the episodes, please visit our website, www.culturium.com. That's www.culturium.com. You can also find me on our social media channels with the handle or hashtag DRJPodcast. So don't forget to follow me on Facebook and Instagram for all the latest news and updates. This episode is entitled Swordplay, and my guest today is Peter Hobolo, a five-time Romanian national champion in fencing and the founder of the Red Star Fencing Club in Chicago, USA. Peter comes from a long line of famous fencers, but I will let him tell you about that himself. Welcome, Peter. It's good to be here. Would you mind introducing yourself to the audience? Tell us where you're from. Uh, tell us about your parents, how you came to fencing, your successes, how you founded the club, etc. Well, that's uh, quite a bit of a information but I'm gonna try of course well first of all thanks so much for inviting me this is uh it's gonna be a great experience I'm very excited about it so uh where should we start uh, yeah fencing so, family right that, that's right that's right okay so fencing family both of my parents uh fencers uh really good at at that uh at the time they were fencing they were both national champions in uh Romania and uh that's where the fencing tradition starts um, in our family okay so i uh, i was born in um, in transylvania in in romania and uh, transylvania is a part of uh, romania as a as a region and it's a real place by the way for the people who always wonder about it right <laughs> and uh, yeah it's a great place uh, i was born in 1975 and um, I started fencing about when I was like seven, eight years old. That's a quite, quite early, early start there. I started competing when I was about nine, eight, nine years old. That was probably the youngest category that fencers could uh, sign up for at the time. And from there, uh, all the other categories that followed uh, like youth 13, youth 15, 17, all those age groups, uh, cadets and juniors, uh, those, those being the, that, that, that was the progress, the natural progress, how, how we go in fencing. 
Uh, what should I say? Um, I think my mom was yeah, uh, me, the first one who started you teaching your, me. Yeah. No, no. Let me ask you about your parents a little bit more, because as as uh, we talked about before, your father was my fencing coach uh, back in Romania. So, so yeah. Please tell us more about your your parents. Of course, of course, my parents. Yes. <laughs> So yeah, my dad was your coach, right? Uh, then and and I know that you remember how how that was and how how great those times were. Uh, he's he's a he's a very well respected and uh, recognized coach. Uh, even these days in in Romania, he's still coaching actually the team of the the city that uh, where where I was born, and uh, they they attained like multiple national championships in uh, I don't know I've been gone for about uh, 20 years now uh, from Romania but the tradition stayed on and actually um, they're, they're, they're winning uh, a lot of the men's foil titles in 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 Romania in individual and in uh, in the team events so he's uh, pretty pretty uh, much he's still doing a great job uh, my mom she she started off she started uh the the youth fencers they, she started off the teams like she was the their their mentor at the beginning their coach uh, as when i started i was like seven eight years old as i said so she was really good with the kids and um and she was coaching but not not too long after uh i turned maybe like um 10 11 she she just uh let uh, my dad uh, completely take over and and he he was the, the full-time coach uh, not just mine but like the, the entire fencing club so mom focused on just being a teacher at um, at the high school she uh, she's a retired uh, PE teacher now and uh, but yeah she both both of them uh, amazing fencers at at their times uh, uh, at the time when they were fencing uh, it was a really 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 good Romanian team in men's and women's foil uh, in the same time uh, they did not get any world titles but uh, fencing was so strong at the time that actually uh, one of my dad's teammates he, he was Olympic champion and my mom's teammates uh, they were world champions and uh, represented Romania at Olympics and and all kind of European and other competitions this is this is actually interesting because we were talking in Hungarian we were doing this interview and I was telling you how like kind of my career was different because uh, the times for men's foil fencing wasn't really great because uh, we did not have a chance to get out there and compete at, at that level. Now, in the opposite, like my parents, when they were fencing, those teams were so good. They were, they were so strong that uh, it was, uh, anyway, so it's a big honor to be at a national team being that, you know, uh, I was a member of national team. My parents were a member of national teams at that time. They were a member of those teams, but not quite in the top four. Well, in my times, I was a member of the national team, but what we really didn't have, uh, you know, uh, big success internationally. And uh, so, you know, kind of two, two different ways to, uh, which I didn't mention the last time we were talking. Absolutely. That's, that's interesting. I mean, sort of, so, so in, in your parents' generation, they, they were, 
maybe maybe the world changed you know and sort of the difference between the countries was not as huge when when your parents were competing and then at some point it it, it shifted and then by the time our generation yours and mine came along um there was such a huge difference between the west and the eastern bloc countries yeah it's it's also it's it's generational right like my gen- it's 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 really like a couple years like let's say a, a national team is like has great results for for a good couple of years and then the generation changes okay they're still going to be somewhere around but not exactly on the top and it's very it's 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 quite rare when and it's amazing when um, national teams or, or like let's say like like italy or germany or or the united states or russia they always have those new generations coming up and they always produce new talent uh, for a smaller country like it's it's harder for smaller countries to to keep that up and yeah it's just um it it, it does happen you're the king for like for uh, i don't know 10 years or, or 15 years and then uh it's just like a drought of like a, another I don't know, 10 or 15 years when the results are not that great it, it does happen a lot especially in like smaller countries, I guess. So let me, let me, you, you, you mentioned that you're from Transylvania. So one of the questions that I'd like to ask you, I mean, I, I since, like I said, I, I've, I've known your father uh, for a long time or my parents, our parents knew each other too. My father knew your father. It's, it's a, it goes back way, way. <laughs> right. A couple generations. Yeah. Yeah. I, I do just, yeah, you mentioned your dad was a weightlifting uh, coach, right? Exactly. Yeah, so probably they 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 belong to the same uh, uh, sports club in our city. So definitely, they got to be friends. <laughs> That's how it was, right? I mean, um, but yeah. what I wanted to ask you was: um, so you say you're you're from Transylvania, but you're not Romanian. Both your parents are Hungarian. Right. My nationality is Hungarian and uh, both my parents uh, are Hungarian. So I don't know. Yeah, it's, I, I, everybody in my family that I know, they, they're Hungarian. So obviously we're a minority in, in Romania, but uh, really proud of it. How, how was it for you to represent Romania as a Hungarian? Was that ever an issue at all? Or, or did it just kind of, was it natural? Uh, no, no issue at all. I mean, we, you know, we, we, we knew who we are. We knew that like we're, we're different uh, nationality, but like at the times, like everybody was so equal and everybody was like, basically everybody, nobody had anything. So it didn't really matter if you're Hungarian, Romanian. So there was there was no issue at all. And uh, yeah, um, I I never struggled with with that idea of like, oh my God, I'm Hungarian and I'm fencing for the Romanian national team. Yeah, but there was there's no such a thing. Do you think that times have changed, or do you think it's still the same? I I think time I I do think times changed. Um, and, and now that, that everybody's so aware of like their history and, and, and everybody is, you know, the fighting for their rights, even just to exist in some places. And, and uh, uh, now you can speak out against oppression and stuff like that. Uh, I, I think a, a lot changed and yeah, it's, uh, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm pretty sure like if I would be back in Romania, it's, uh, you know, like 
I don't know. I, I basically really don't want to say anything about this. I because I, I've been home last time, like 21 years ago. So like I, I can't really I can't really express this. But I'm I'm sure it would be it would be fine. But like people people are more like vocal about it, and and you know our um, voices would, would be would be heard. You know, even but, though we're still a minority. But I have to ask you now because you have not been back for 21 years. That is, yes, that's the harsh would you, reality. Would you be allowed to go back? Yeah. Yeah, okay, so you, so that's, that's not, that you have not been, no, I wait, I have to, this did not come out in the Hungarian interview. So just, we're kind of skipping. So we, we, we did the Hungarian interview first and we're doing the American, uh, the English interview now. And did this not okay. come out at all? This did not come out at all in the, in the Hungarian interview. Why not? Why haven't you been back for 21 years? Um, it's, I don't know. I did not, I did not miss to go back. You know, the, the only thing that, that I would really ever miss about, about Romania was my parents. And then once they started coming and visiting, by the time we, we had Red Star Fencing Club also, it's like, it's really hard to like get out of here because we're really taking care of our business, uh, our fencing club in a way that we got to be there every single day. We're not going to be, even though we have a couple of people who, who are coaching for us. And uh, I think we have four coaches who, who also work for us. My, my wife uh, would never be, you know, in peace with just leaving the place to itself and uh, yeah it's I don't know it's it's really it's really it's not good that what I'm saying but it's like it's like it's not much that I'm missing about you know the situation there yeah and I love my parents yeah sure sure <laughs> that's that's difficult okay so so sorry about that side note let's let's continue with with fencing so I know from the Hungarian interview that you, um, after all your successes in Romania, then you were uh, working as a professional fencer in Romania as well, making money, um, but came to do a mm -hmm. training camp in the US and decided to just stay. And uh, the long story short, you actually founded this amazing fencing club in uh, Chicago. So tell us about Red Star a little bit. Okay, so yeah, it was it was all good, all great. New American life is like so full of surprises. I mean, it was new, but like I also traveled quite a little bit before I got to United States. So I, I, you know, like I had my eyes open, and I think I didn't come in the U.S. and just like be surprised of everything what's happening. So uh, it it was it was a quite like easy transition. It's like. I don't even, it's like 20 years now, 21 years. And I feel like it's been like five years, <laughs> maybe a little bit more, but honestly, it doesn't feel that it was, it was so long. So anyways, I found this uh, fantastic fencing club um, when I reconnected with fencing in downtown Chicago, it was called Fencing 2000. And uh, I met a bunch of coaches from uh, most of the countries. Uh, surrounding Romania one was from Russia one was from Bulgaria the other one was from Kazakhstan so it's like all in the same region and the club owner was uh, a lady from uh, from Chicago uh, Diane Dominguez that was her name 
and uh, they they just welcomed me, and and they really first day that I stepped stepped in, they offered me a job, and I was like, well, hey, hold on, guys, I'm not here to to find a job, I'm just here to reconnect with fencing, and uh, but then we just start started talking about all our friends back in Europe and our connections and people that we know and that we fenced together, and um, it was like okay, like something's happening. I just need to come back here and uh, start fencing. So I started fencing uh, for a, a couple of months, got back in, in good shape and uh, started to uh, compete too here in the US. And then they, they just, they were like, hey, can you do a couple of classes for us? I'm like, sure, why not? Like you guys are really cool and I'm, I'm, I'm getting back into it. So it just got to be more and more classes that I had to do private lessons and stuff like that. And I'm like, wow, that's actually pretty cool. I, 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 I really enjoy doing this. It's like, I, I, could, I could practice, I could fence and I could like teach people too. That, that was challenging and um, in, the, in the really good way. And, uh, and so, yeah, I, I, I became like a part-time worker for them and part-time assistant coach basically being paid for what I love. That, 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 that was amazing, right? So, uh, that's that's where that's where it all started, and then uh, from there we transferred to a different location uh, because this place closed down, and then from that location uh, the club split. Like all these coaches opened their own little fencing clubs, and then I was the only one remaining with the coach from Kazakhstan, and it was like oh my god! So we had like maybe 150 members or or maybe even more at some point, and now there, there was only the two of us and the president of the club with like 30 students. So that did not look good. Plus, uh, you know, everybody felt frustrated and stuff. But a good thing came out of it. Um, uh, my girlfriend my actual wife now, but girlfriend at the time, uh, we decided to open Red Star Fencing Club and we did so in 2007, I think. And um, yeah, it was a tough, uh, tough road. Started very small with almost like uh, basically from zero. Like we didn't inherit any fencing equipment. We didn't take any fencing equipment. We uh, had probably, as I said, probably nine students 9 10 at the max when we opened red star and uh we started from there and now we are one of the probably one of the premier fencing clubs in the midwest so uh small small things started off um and with a lot of passion and care and and you know creating a family we are where we at now so the episode is called Sword Play. So uh, you are this national uh, 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 champion, fencer, Transylvanian. I mean, how cool is that, you know? <laughs> yeah, I, I know. I mentioned that a lot. Like when in the Hungarian interview, we didn't talk about it, right? But like for, for people from other countries, it's like, oh, wow, you're from Transylvania. Like, yeah. And that's and you're a real a place too. Adam Fencer, yeah, that it's 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 a really interesting like like uh, uh, like like line to to open a conversation <laughs> anywhere basically. <laughs> and you have this amazing beard as well, you know. So this so, is. So I mean, <laughs> you, you gotta have the beard. 
the teeth come out only after midnight. That's that's my <laughs> other line. <laughs> so, so tell me, what is the coolest thing about fencing? I think a lot of people are, are are fascinated with you know sword and sword play, and but I think a lot of times they think of it as this Hollywood choreographed fighting with swords. What is what is how is fencing and what is really cool about it? I really, really don't know if if these days people are still thinking about the Hollywood like ch -ch 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 kind of fencing, like you know, like. I, I, I get it and uh, probably still, I mean, those movies are so old that that only like people our generation or older would, would watch and I don't know if kids watch that kind of stuff anymore, right? So, so it's like, I, I think they, they, the, the perception, it's a different perception about fencing these days. You know, fencing now it's like, a, it's a super athletic sport. It, it is. It is. It is very elegant. It's super athletic. It's super intelligent. So um, I don't know. I. Th I think. I think. I think kids. Uh, kids. Kids are, are attracted by that. I, I'm honestly like. I don't know. I. I don't think anymore. It's. It's the the black and white movies with Errol Flynn. That's. That's sends kids to to fencing. I, I don't think that's that's that. Uh, I think it changed. I don't know. <laughs> so one of the things we talked about in the Hungarian episode was how fencing was taught by your father. And I, I was mentioning how I think he's a wonderful coach and I love the discipline that he taught us, but how he really helped us develop as little human beings, that he really tried to uh, train our bodies and not just let it be trained for fencing, but to have a general solid conditioning basis and that he also trained us as good students uh, he, he taught us hygiene and discipline and studying and you know sort of would you mind elaborating on that a little bit uh, I mean he's my dad okay so I whatever you lived there and you remember I lived it like 10 times so yeah it was uh, tough times <laughs> but but the thing is that uh, a, a real coach, that doesn't matter, is that a fencing coach or soccer or, or badminton or whatever sports you teach, you, you are not just responsible for the kid's development as an, as an athlete. Like there's, there's all, all the, other, um, um, the other perspectives too, right? Like you want that kid to be like a, a, a healthy human being. You want that kid to be able to, to fend for himself. You want that kid to think uh, individually. You want that thing, kid to be part of the community. So I, I'm actually, you know, I'm, I'm not surprised, but that's what I think uh, the job of, of a coach is to create these kind of humans. Like, doesn't matter like how old that kid is, if it's, uh, you know, a seven, eight year old that comes into to fencing and then the 32 year old who comes into fencing, you know, like if I see that you are lacking of like, you know, you know like let's say not too hygienic, uh, I, you know, I don't care that you're like 24 years old. I'm going to tell you that, you know, that t-shirt that, uh, you know, 
that next time maybe 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 we're deodorant or something so yeah but he did all these things back at the time and he was very strict about it and uh, he was very uh, careful and and very protective of, of the kids like like athletes uh, you mentioned that you you got in you got hurt uh, at a practice and then he had you sit, sit on the side and um, you know, take care of that inflammation, you know, putting ice on it or just uh, giving you like stretching exercises to kind of take care of it and, and uh, not push you further. I mean, that's just a normal thing to do. And these days, most of the coaches should know these things and, and act accordingly. But at the time, especially us coming from, from an Eastern European country, you know, it was just like push, 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 push until you fall apart. And then I don't care. Well, because the other 10 kids going to keep going. So I, I know, you know, that it's uh, these famous like uh, Eastern European schools. Now I'm not just saying about fencing, like different disciplines, they would be pretty cruel about it. But uh, yeah, I, I, I remember how my dad was like very, you know, like paying attention of, of every aspect of teaching. Mm-hmm. I distinctly remember how he really had, for example, very long warm-ups and, and cool-downs and, and sort of like what, what you were mentioning as well. So so we had the, the technical parts, is, is this is my memories, came only much, 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 much later, you know, after this this actual physical workout and everything. But the other thing I was I was telling you was how we had to show our report card once a week and show what grades we were getting in school. And one of the things you reminded me of was how we also had to show our nails, you know, sort of. <laughs> so, so it was it was the whole program. Yeah. Are your are your hands clean? Are your nails cut off? Are your, you know, like is your hair cut the regular, you know, length of the athletes? Uh, <laughs> hair length, approved hair length. So is, is beard okay? Yeah, he's uh, telling me every single time when we talk on, on Zoom that, hey, uh, it, maybe it's time that you can, can like lose the beard a little bit. I'm like, yeah, dad, I'm working on it. And uh, that's true. I mean, it's, <laughs> yeah, he would very much like if my beard would not be as magnificent as it is. <laughs> So, so <laughs> going on with this, with this, uh, you know, sort of coaching in Romania, do you think that, I mean, I agree with you that, that, that uh, coaching goes a- across cultures, but do you think that it would be possible to be that strict with kids in the U.S.? Yeah, that's not going to happen. Uh, <laughs> Complete, yeah, it's 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 uh, it's completely different. We do have a lot of co- coaches from from Eastern Europe and uh, from all these countries that that we mentioned before. And we're I think we're strict, and that's a good thing. You know, uh, you can you can be coaching, you can be a great coach, not not being strict, being more relaxed, and like adapting to you know, whatever the, the feeling of, of your fencing club is, that's what the kid, they're gonna, that's what they're going to receive. And, and uh, that's how they're going to act. And that's how they're going to come out as, as athletes. And it's going to reflect on the, their fencing style and then on them as, as people, you know, even after fencing. So I, I, I do think that discipline is a huge part of it. And I, I still keep a lot of those traditions that I'm bringing, you know, what, what we learned from my dad 
obviously not the lining up and showing your fingernails and uh, you know like showing me the report cards and stuff but it, it is very important that that part is there like the the discipline and and following the rules kind of things but these days uh, that's a little bit you know too strict it's a uh, you know people some people just want to be there to to have fun right and uh, you can't have these rules yeah I'm, I'm gonna tell you if you really want to achieve this and this and this then this discipline is a huge part of your training right and you have to follow specific rules but i can't tell that to everyone because not everyone is there to to achieve that high kind of goals you know so yeah but the answer is no it's it's now you can you can't do it he he does come sometimes in in uh, to chicago when they're visiting and he is at the fencing club so every single day when when i'm uh, we have practice he's he's there and um, he does work with the uh, younger students or, 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 or more, more advanced students. And he does want that discipline to be there and his, that strictness is there. But also, he also knows that th- times changed and he's, he's cracking a couple of jokes here and there and making everybody feel like, you know, like this, we have a good time here. Absolutely. So <laughs> would you mind walking the listeners through a little bit the basics of fencing. We, we, we are talking about fencing and I'm not sure that everybody who's listening is going to know exactly what fencing is about. So would you mind telling us about the different um, terminology that we might be using, some of the different steps, et cetera? Sure. The most important thing in fencing, I mean, the most important thing that we can start to, to just like mention the different weapons. So modern fencing has three different weapons, right? You have the saber, you have the foil, and then you have the epee, whichever order you wanna you wanna you wanna place them. Okay. So these are three different weapons. Um, athletes usually choose one or the other or the or the third to compete. Sometimes there are fencers who 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 can fence two or all, all three weapons and actually Get, get pretty good at um, at least two. They, they, they've been uh, three weapon fencers too, that it's like, but it's quite rare to, to have to achieve like the highest level of like results and, and success uh, in, in three weapons or in, in, in two weapons. Most, mostly the person would choose one weapon and then they go all the way with that one. So the what difference here weapon? is like- what was, You were foil, weren't you? Yes, my dad is a foil coach. He did coach uh, Epe at some point. I don't remember he, him coaching Saber at all, but I'm, I'm certain that he, he could if he really wanted to. So yeah, I, I've been a foil fencer and Red Star Fencing Club is a foil and Saber club also. I, I take care of the foil part and then we have uh, two talented Saber coaches. Also, I have a an assistant foil coach or, or two actually. So yeah, a foil saber club. We do like these two weapons, foil and saber. They're based on priority. They're based on right away. So that's a huge difference between the three weapons. Foil and saber, they're based on a right of way rule. Epe, it does not have the right of way rule, which uh, simply you could put it that if you fence epe, you can hit your opponent at any time and at any point at any point of their body, um, and if you hit first, you get the point. 
if you had hit exactly in the same time, actually the, both fencers get the point. That's only in Epe, okay? Uh, foil and Sabre, they're based on the right of way, which is also called priority. Now in Foil and Sabre, as I said, uh, you have to establish the attack first. And if you score with your attack, you get the point. If the other person hits you as you're doing your attack and you guys both land and, and hit in the same time, the person who initiated the action will get the point, okay? So in both foil and saber, uh, the right of way rule applies. In epic, I initiate the attack. You think, oh, why should I parry? I should, I, I'm just gonna hit you before you hit me. And if you're successful with that, you're gonna get the point. I'm not gonna get the point. Even though that's, that's even less risk uh, because if you, we both hit, at least we both get a point and nobody's losing basically at, the, at that point. But in foil and saber, you cannot uh, afford that luxury. So if you're gonna attack me, I'm gonna defend myself, get a parry. Now at that point, the right of way is mine because I took over and then I'm gonna try to score a point. And it goes back and forward until uh, the person who had the right of way uh, is gonna score the touch. So it's back and forward like that. So, so in the Hungarian interview, you talked a little bit about your parents' fencing styles, and you you said that your father had a very gentlemanly, calm, defensive style, whereas your mother was quite uh, an aggressive fencer. And how did you say? I think you, she she was going to go for the kill. I mean, she. <laughs> Do you think that people gravitate towards these weapons who have different personalities? Yeah, totally. That's uh, that's that's how that's how that's how it happens. You know, it depends what kind of person you are, right? And that's how you select the kids too. Like, okay, they come to the fencing club. They don't know. Oh, I want to do saber fencing, or I want to do epee, or I want to do foil. I mean, okay, depending on the age, some would have an idea already. Okay, this is kind of what I would like to do because that's what I saw on TV, and that's what it looks more interesting to me. But they come in, they 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 don't know what it is. So you got to take a look at the kids. Like, okay, so what's their personality? How how? how energetic they are, how active they are, how, how celebral they are, what, what's, what, what they do. Like, do they observe more? Do they sit back and watch and then try to figure out? Or are they going to start, like you said, ready, go, and they're like all over you. So you, you kind of have to take a look. And, and, and after a couple, maybe, I mean, it, time is, is it's, it's a luxury, luxury. So it's like, Kind of, you have to decide that at some point I, I would probably give it maybe like a month and, and say, or maybe a little bit more. And, and until then they can learn the basics and then you figure out what weapon you're going to uh, direct this kid to. I mean, if the kid is super energetic and it's running all over and it doesn't really want to like listen to <laughs> what, what your instructions are like, okay, this kid is a ready go kid to send him to do saber. He's gonna just can't wait to go for it and, and score that touch. Of course, they, they need to listen and uh, to instruction. And then you, there's, I'm not saying that saber fencers are just like all energy and, and, and uh, attack and, and no strategy because there's a lot of strategy to it, right? But yeah, do you want those kids to be wired? Do you want those kids to go really fast and score their points? And then 
Uh, you see the other one uh, that is like, hey, okay, I'm studying you a little bit and then I'm gonna try to do something. Okay, great. Now those, the one of those, you know, you can send, to, send it towards Epi or you can send it towards FOIL. Differentiate between those two because I, I see, I, I agree with the Sabre uh, differentiation, but how are you gonna differentiate between FOIL and, and Epi? We don't do Epi at my club, no. <laughs> no, um, I really, because like I, I didn't really, uh, we don't have Epi obviously, and we're, we're not turning any people away from us. So I, I don't think, I mean, between those two weapons, uh, the difference is that in, in foil, because we're putting Saber apart, right? In foil, you, you need to know both sides of the of the game, like attack and, and defense. In Epe, you don't necessarily need defense. In Epe, really, you have to have re good reaction time. Hit your opponent before they hit you. It doesn't matter if your opponent has the right away or if they initiated. You're just really fast. You're going to make that hit, and you're good at hitting um, the toe of your knee or the knee or the head of your opponent. Uh, it's like it's the whole body. It's a target area in that place. So uh, if you see that the kid is more like reacting to stuff and tends not to be that defensive, then, okay, I would say, okay, well, well, maybe we should, but we don't have that pay, right? So at my club, I would work on kind of not fixing that thing, but kind of like orient him more towards, I wait, wait a second. So you can't really do that. So how about you at first defend yourself, you parry, and then you can do what action you were thinking. So yeah, I, I guess in all these sports that like, you have to be really, really smart, you know, and read your opponent and, uh, and do your actions accordingly. So it doesn't matter. It's foil, saber or epi. It's a lot of thinking going on and, uh, Yes, as I don't have Epi, I'm, I'm, I don't know how to give you the, no, no, the best you answer. Did. You did. It's, it's good. You did. You answered it. It's, it's good. <laughs> so, so tell us a little bit more about the, the points of, of target or the, where you're allowed to make the hit. Yeah, the valid target area is very different from the three weapons. Uh, we talked about Epi, which um, the valid target area is anywhere on the body. So they can hit you straight in the eye or the nose, uh, which is the mask, uh, the fencing mask. They hit you in the torso, they can hit you in the legs, in your arms, anywhere, even your pinky toe. Uh, so that's, uh, that's a lot of target. And, and you would say, oh, well, it's so easy because you can hit somewhere, uh, you can hit anywhere. Well, no, it's not really easy because, because it's, a, it's a lot of target, but in the same time, if you don't want to get hit, then you have to defend a lot of target or you got to hit the opponent before it hits you, but you can be successful with that all the time. So yeah, app is that you have a lot of target. You can hit anywhere you have, anywhere you can, but remember you have to hit with the tip of the weapon. So you cannot hit with the slot with this, uh, you cannot slice or, or cut like you can do in saber, which I'm going to talk about in a second. So uh, the, the saber target area, it is from waist up, which means that your torso, your back, your arm all the way up down here um, to your wrist um, and your mask, your head is target area also, okay? So that's a little bit less target 
the thing here in Saber, the difference is that in Saber, you can trust with the weapon. So you can hit with the point of the weapon. I mean, it doesn't really have a point point. You have to, you can hit with the tip or you can cut or slash, which means just, I just tap your head or just like barely touching that target area by doing a cut, uh, you, can, you can achieve a point. So that's, uh, that's a little bit easier to score a point because you don't necessarily just have to hit with the point. You can just uh, cut and, and that, that contact already uh, makes the scoring machine go with the lights uh, go on and then you get the point. So that's, uh, that's Sabre. And then foil has the smallest target area, which is only the torso and the back of the fencer. Uh, the arms and the mask, the legs are not target area. So you, you hit there, you're gonna, you get an off target light, which means that the point is now valid. Also the fencing mask, it has a bib, which is like, okay, this is the bib. Basically half of it, it would be part of the target area because it's part of kind of like my body where the shoulder is, right? So that's, that's kind of um, in the past when you and me were fencing, uh, back at, at my dad's fencing club, that, that was off target. So basically, if your fencing mask had a bib and it was covering, because like under this beard, there's a lot of valid target, right? But I put the beard on, now it's not target because you're going to hit the beard and it's off target. So that mask, uh, the bib, <laughs> there, it's a valid target just like down to here. And uh, yeah, in foil too, you do have to hit with the point of the weapon. Uh, that you cannot hit with the flat. I'm obviously more partial to, to foil. Uh, it's, it's, it's the only thing I know. So I find foil a lot more technical. Um, it's what I liked about it. The, the tiny movements, the, the delicacy of planning your action, you know, sort of the, the, the slight move of the wrist that, that, that already gave you a different advantage, et cetera. Right? That, that's one of the things that I liked about it. Whereas the other seems so, you know, <laughs> sort of everywhere to me. So. Uh, I don't know. Uh, all three weapons are, are very technical, okay? Um, a little bit easier to hit in Sabre because you can hit with the flat of the weapon, right? But then Sabre is so fast that you barely can make a parry. Because if somebody decides that he's going to make a cut and then just literally just just his weapon touching, touching, it doesn't need to hit you hard, touching the valid target area, that's a point. So it's very hard to make those parries. It's very hard to stop a saber attack. So like you have to decide first, you have to have the action, you're going to do it, most likely you're going to score a point for it. So, uh, you know, that it does have the technical element in it, definitely. Epic, there's a lot of back and forward because like there's so many, so many, there's so much target and, and so many ways to get point to, to get hit basically that, that you have to worry about everything. Like I have my arm here, you know, they're gonna, they're not gonna go hit my chest. They're gonna hit my hand right here. The first target, the closest target that they have. Right. So I have to worry about that. I have to worry about the chest. I have to worry about my leg, my knee, my, my everything. So those actions have to be planned out. Those actions have to be executed. And it's going to be a lot of back and forward until somebody's going to get the point. Okay. In Sabre, not really. In Sabre, it's going to be most likely one attack and another attack and it's done. In Epi, it can be a lot of back 
back and forward, then it turns out it's, uh, it turns into like sometimes into like a fight, not like like a literal fight, but they get really close to each other, and somebody's gonna uh, hit with a with the point some somewhere, and that's that's a point uh, in epic and foil. Yes, there's there's a lot more uh, technical thing going on because you can plan ahead like two, three, or four actions ahead, which. You start something and then that can turn in this and this and this. Now, which one is going to be? It's got to be one of those three or four, right? Well, okay, if that's what it is, now how you, what kind of solution you have to, to actually finish your action and score the point? Or what is your choice? Like, okay, I know that you're going to do this. Well, I'm just going to bait you to do that because I already know what I'm going to do. So I'm going to score the point, but guess what? You're a really good fencer. So you know what I'm doing so I can do whatever I want. And then you have the answer for that, you know? So there's literally a lot, a lot of back and forward. And then you have to hit the smallest target, target area between all three of those uh, weapons. So that's, that's, why, that's why, you know, you see, you remember foil, you, you, you were a foil fencer. That's what you remember. There's a lot of thinking and a, a, a lot of ways to score points, but uh, you know the technical element is definitely very, very strong right there. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So th- th- thank you. That's that's it's you know I haven't thought about fencing in in twenty some years. So it's it's so great when you when you talk about it just now. It brought back. I, I got all excited. I remember you know fencing and sort of when you're facing your opponent, how much uh, goes on. I mean, it really takes you completely away and, and you're, you're fully in this little battle that you're, that you're playing out. It's, it's really, it's really fun. It's really, really. <laughs> Definitely. How, how are you gonna, how are you gonna trick that guy? How are you gonna score that point? Yeah, yeah. How are you gonna make him think that you're gonna do something, but you're gonna do something completely else. So you actually score the point. <laughs> that's, that's the thing that I love about fencing is that it's like, yeah, it's not just, it's not just physical. It really is cerebral and it's, it's really is like, it, it kind of teaches you so much about, you know, sort of to read your opponents, to look at people and their body language and, and to kind of try to judge their intent. I, I find it sort of really, really cool. Yeah. That's, that's what, that's what fencing is all, all these things. And uh, you know, a lot of people, and I hope that, you know, my students and my dad's students and uh, they, they, besides this whole fencing thing, they can, they can, they can transfer this in their like day by day life, right? Uh, you can, you can live by these things, right? You, you can trust your instincts, you can, you can just read people. And as you said, like, just, you can, you can just be that person, you know, uh, but, but the thing that you learned at the fencing club, and I always said it too, like that's that's kind of that's what kind of person I am, you know. Like I learned all these things, and that's how I'm looking at life. Basically, it's um, it's pretty cool. Do you think that that fencing has helped you navigate your life? Just the, the what you learned from fencing. Absolutely, I I think. Probably most of the things that like how I think or what I do and, uh, you know, it's coming from there because like, honestly, it's those moments that you're in that fencing bout and you have to find the solution. You have to come out of that fight, you know, on top and that like 
decision making right on the spot. I mean, it, how do you get that in real life? Like, how are you going to get in, in that kind of intense situations to, you know, to solve them and then come out victorious or with a positive outcome, right? So, yeah. But it's the channeling yourself as well. I mean, it's sort of channeling your excitement, you know, sort of uh, in a lot of different other sports, when you get really excited and pumped up, as we say, you get to hit or run or whatever. And in fencing, you have to sort of really <laughs> uh, calm it and, and, and really channel it and, and really specifically deliver your action. Yeah, that's, that's, that's true because, um, and that's a, a lesson that I learned from my, from my dad uh, early you know, the, the more success you have, the more you have to channel it in the right way. And, and uh, you know, I mean, sometimes things go really well. And then you're like all the way in heaven, seventh heaven, right? And then other times things don't go well. So what are you going to do? Are you going to break down and, and uh, be like all uh, depressed and sad about it? Like you got to find that middle way somewhere where, where, you know, okay, I did great. Uh, that's great. But, you know, I, I, I got to keep it somehow to myself and kind of not be too overwhelmed and taken because, you know, next day or the next competition, you might be the one who come out, you know, on the wrong side of the, the equation. And then what you're going to do? Are you going to expose yourself to all the, uh, you know, critics and, and people uh, know you or watch you or, or, observe you to say hey okay look at this guy how happy he was last time now 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 he's not that happy right <laughs> so so it's like you know just have have like a, a good balance somewhere in the middle and be able to as I, as you said to to be able to channel it in the right direction and in the, hopefully a positive direction that you like build something on it mm. and keep it up as long as you can yeah, it's it's that's very important and it's very true. But I think it's also what you said, being able to channel it if things are going well or if things are going badly. And I think that everybody could benefit from that, you know, and you can think of any aspect of life, whether you're thinking about your career or financially or in love or anything, you know, sort of if we get too cocky, if we think that sort of, oh, we're on top of it and we, we have it in the bag, you know, so to speak. Yeah. Um, that's when we make the mistakes. That's when we uh, are no longer channeling it in the positive way in the same way if things aren't going our way and then we just kind of give up or, or whatever other pitfall. Yeah. So right away you, you found, you know, one of the most important things that you can, you can learn from it and apply it in real life right away. It's, it's just, it's just how most of that's, that's how I look at it. You know, that's, that's what, that's what I, you know, learned from my, from my dad. <laughs> <laughs> so now let's go to the physical part of it. If you wouldn't mind sort of, just kind of going through some of the basic steps. I think you can't possibly, especially on a podcast, teach all of it. Um, in the Hungarian part, if you manage to send us a little video, I would love to include it. So. Yeah, we'll, we'll see. We can maybe uh, work on that. I don't think it would be a big deal. Uh, but the, the okay, there's a couple of things that happen on the fencing, uh, in a fencing bout. And obviously when you practice, it happens a lot. So one of the most important parts, it's your... Uh, footwork okay so the the way that you move on the fencing strip 
that takes a lot, a lot, a lot of repetition. And I'm sure you remember that because that's what uh, in the old days, I remember like when I was a beginner fencer, I, I was a beginner for like six months or something. Like it, it, my dad, I didn't get a foil in my hand after like only the first year or something. So what would you do at the time? Well, would you do conditioning and you do footwork, right? So when you do footwork, like the way that you move on the fencing strip is by doing advances and retreats. Uh, th- those are your steps forward and backwards. Uh, fencing, it's a, it's a linear sport. So you go on, on a straight line. So you don't move in circles or in any kind of other direction, just uh, the fencing strip, which is like about two meters wide and 14 meters long. So that's the fencing strip. That's your area that you move on. So you go back and forward on that with advancing and with advances and retreats. Now, some of the fencers adapt like a more like hopping movement, which you would see a lot in epee fencing. It's pretty dynamic. It's good. Like, you know, um, in for, for foil, I would consider it that like you have to be with your feet on the, on the strip, like all times and feel the ground. And, and then move accordingly. Um, in Epe, there's a lot more bouncing going on. In Sabre, uh, okay, we talked about like different fencing styles and countries with different schools. Um, in Sabre, you're gonna see, you know, the Hungarians uh, sitting on the nice on guard position, moving on the fencing strip, like their feet are really strong. And then uh, you're gonna see the Korean fencers or the, the fencers from Hong Kong, super athletic, kind of like bouncy and and moving, you know, in on guard position and really long lunges too. So uh, different uh, different ways to, to move. So, but then I told you about the lunge, right? The lunge is the, the way to attack your opponent. So you score your points um, if you're in offense, mostly with lunges or advanced lunges or, double advanced lunges, which are like longer attacks. So it's like step, 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 lunge, or just a, a quick step and a quick lunge. And that's in, that's in offense. And then in defense, like you're, you're defending a lot. So you need to be sitting in on guard position, moving your feet quickly and uh, waiting for provoking your opponent's attack. So they do their attack, then you get a parry, you block that attack, and then you go ahead and, and uh, try to score what is called a repost, which is the attack after the parry. So most important things, advances and retreats, lunges and advanced lunges. That's that's the the, the kind of what you have to, re, you want to remember from uh, a fencer's footwork, basically. You took me back. You really took me back. God, I, I have to fence again at some point. I still have, I still have at my parents' house, I still have my foil and my breastplate. Uh, <laughs> so. Yeah, that's, uh, that's, that's important. The uh, protective equipment and these days, uh, um, men and women wear it. Uh, those chest, uh, plastic chest protectors. Um, Mine are that's metal. true, you know, so. Mine are metal. I still have these metal oh. chest protectors. Okay. I still have them. Wow. Okay. Yep. Um, these, these days it's a little bit more comfortable it's uh and and it's it's better protecting like yeah that probably you should you should look into something new <laughs> no this is it's hanging on the wall you know it's just it's, it's all the mask too i have the mask too so i still I'm, wow I don't, I don't know how that i don't know how that i have to ask my parents about that how did they get that out of romania 
Can you imagine? Oh, how, wow. how did my foil and my breastplate? Did they bring it to the U.S. at the time? Wow. I don't know how they got to the U.S., but it's hanging on the wall. It's on their wall, my old mask and breastplates and the foil. So. Wow. That's 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 good memories. I still have I still have uh, the mask. I didn't bring it with me when I came in the U.S. Uh, but my parents at some point uh, sent it out to me, like my 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 fencing mask that I I used at the time, and um, a bunch of older fencing equipment. Which it's just like it's great to have. Like I don't know. I mean, I'm not gonna ever gonna sell it. That's just like memory and. Hours and hours of sweat in it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Wow. So, so really, you really took me back. I, I oh, really got excited just, just hearing you say that. It's, it's really funny. I, I, I saw myself, and I mean, I associate fencing with your father's gym. I mean, I, I, you know, I told you I fenced a little bit in the U.S., but very, very little. So mm-hmm. to me, it's still my childhood, and it's everything is in Romania. Sort of, it, it totally takes me back. And I, yeah. I even have this one girl that I admired. She was about five years older than us. And she was just Who so that? brilliant. And I see her in front of me. I was always trying to watch her and just, oh, just kind of. <laughs> so. Do you remember who was that? No. Okay. No. <laughs> just to let you know, that fencing club where, where you and me both started fencing, it's, it's still there. That's it. That's it. That's the fencing club in Chicago. Not in Chicago, in 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 Kolozhvar. It's the same. They have two fencing strips. That's it. Two two fencing yeah, strips. Yeah. I mean, the decent fencing club here in the U.S. like has at least like you know five fencing strips. Or or I'm not. I mean, that's a small fencing club. We had two fencing strips. That's it. That's and right. it's still it's still there. That's where the kids are practicing these days. The last time I was there, I was uh, in 96. And I think I spoke to your dad and there are pictures of me in the fencing club still. That's when I wow. went. Wow. So, yeah. <laughs> Maybe you were still there. My goodness. I mean, we, we, have, wow. to, we have to find some well, <laughs> I wasn't. I wasn't there because, uh, I, as I said, I was uh, fencing for this uh, professional fencing club in in professional fencing club in in at Romnicovulcea, which is a city in the south southern region of Romania. So I did not practice a lot those years. Uh, those were probably I was still in university and fencing for that team. Sure. So yeah, we we just. Yeah, and I don't. I don't think we ever met. I, I, I did hear how. How did you? How how my father was calling you? Hanelore. He always called me Hanelore. Hanelore. <laughs> that's my dad. Yeah, that's him. Yeah, I heard about Hanelore. But he, but he only called me Hanelore when he was kind of upset, upset with me. He always like if I wasn't doing it fast or well enough, he would be like Hanelore, come on, let's go. Or, you know, or, 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 you know, get it together, Hanelore, you know, sort of. Wow. <laughs> we have not talked about the, we talked about the footwork. We talked about some of the basic equipment and some of the basic weapons. We haven't talked mm-hmm. about the, the hand movements. Okay. So, yeah, if you take a look at footage from the 70s or, or even 80s or before then mostly uh you you would not see a lot of arm movement and a lot of hand movement that fencing was much more classical and and prettier but slower in the same time 
Okay. It, it changed a lot. It changed a lot since then. And uh, these days, keeping your arm in the same position, it's actually, it's not really good because uh, you just, you're just exposed. If, if you're moving the hand, if you're moving that arm, uh, it's harder for your opponent to make an action on your blade and then continue their attack. Or if you want to attack and your arm is staying in the same position at all times, well, then your opponent is going to know exactly when you start your action because, well, my arm is here. And then when I start my action, it's going towards you. So it's going to be uh, an obvious you know, they're going to see that, that uh, you're gonna, you start an action and they can react. So the arm these days, it's moving a lot. As I said, in Sabre, there's going to be bigger arm movements because uh, they, they can hit, they can hit with the flat of the weapon. They can cut and slash. So they, they sometimes they, they pull their arm and then they take like, but they use momentum and then they throw it out there. Like they just have to touch you. They don't have to hit with the point. So you're going to see a lot of spectacular like arm movements and, and it's really, really cool to watch. And I'm sure it feels really, really good to, to fence it and score points like that. So uh, that saber, um, I wouldn't want to be on the receiving end on one of those hits because when there's basically no, nobody says that, Hey, when you, when you do that slash, you gotta be cautious or, or like, you gotta be nice. Nope. You're going to hit the guy, you know, he's going to feel it. Uh, and then other times you 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 see that already you're scoring the touch and then fencers in those cases they're not gonna hit really hard they're just gonna finish their action because they know that they got the point like it's like i don't need to hurt you if i don't need to hurt you right uh, so that's in saber in epi it's a lot a lot of like hand movement but it's mostly in the front of each other it's like up and down like small small movements because they want to get you on the army here really fast or they can go for the chest of course or somewhere else and epi is the the uh, the weapon with the uh, with the big bell guard and it's quite thick of a blade and uh yeah it's a uh, it's they, they take strong parries too and then if they they hit you with a strong hit then actually you can feel it it's not not going to be pleasant at all and then foil the arm movements you know you move your arm all the time so why so you can initiate an action from a position that your opponent is not expecting it or you move your arm in a specific position so you show target uh, in a, on a different position where your opponent is going to say, hey, oh, look at that open uh, target. I'm going to go hit you there. Well, but that was all a, all, a, all a bait and a trick. So I just wanted you specifically to hit me there and then I'm going to make a parry and I'm going to hit. So yeah, in foil, there's a lot of back and forward, a lot of blade contact. So I would attack, you parry, and then you go back and, and I parry. And there's back and forward, back and forward until somebody's going to get the point. It's really, it's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun watching and understanding and, and doing those things. It's, it's, it's quite amazing. Thank you so much. Would you, is there anything you'd like to add? I've, I've uh, taken so much of your time with the, with the Hungarian interview and now the, the English one as well. Is there anything else you'd like to sort of to wrap it up? No, this, this, was, this was great. I, I really enjoyed talking. Um, I do talk too much sometimes, too much uh, information, but that's exactly probably the goal. That's why, that's why we did. Well, you know, I'm just putting it out there as, uh, as we said earlier, Hey, maybe it would be a, a good idea to have my dad for like, 
you know, like a, a half an hour and, and listen, listen to the master. And does your dad speak English at all or does he speak uh, only Hungarian? He, he speaks very well English in Google Translate. Okay. <laughs> no, he doesn't speak English, but yeah, he, is, uh, he, likes, he, li he likes talking too. Well, will you ask him? And we could thank you so much. I wish you continued success with Red Star. And I look forward to speaking to you maybe some other time as well. Thank you so much for inviting me. This was definitely a pleasure and uh, I super enjoyed it. Thank you. Thank you. And thank you all for listening. This is Dr. J signing out.